Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today is a very special guest by the name of Sharon Silver, and she will be in the hot seat for the next 30 minutes. But let me tell you a little bit more about my amazing guest. Sharon Silver, it took almost slapping her son for Sharon to realize she was about to repeat how she'd been raised. She knew things had to change. After an education in parenting, early childhood development, and interpersonal processes, plus four certifications in parenting from the Klein Fay Institute, INCAF, and the Giselle Institute of Child Development, Sharon wrote, Stop Reacting and Start Responding, 108 Ways to Transform Behavior into Learning Moments and proactive parenting was born. Sharon's warmth, practical honesty, and holistic point of view let audiences know it's possible to create learning moments without yelling, so they aren't emotionally exhausted. As a result, parents stop feeling like a full-time maid, bookkeeper, chief cook, (laughs) bottle washer, therapist, and an all-around frustrated mom boss. Hence, proactive parenting. So let's bring on the woman behind it all, Sharon Silver. Hi, thank you for having me. My pleasure, Sharon. And I am super excited to learn more about this topic. As you know, a secret that the audience may or may not know, I am on my motherhood journey. Yes, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. And today we're going to spend time just talking about parenting and correcting behavior mindfully, um, yet authoritatively. So before we jump into the meat of the conversation, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal manner. So there are two options. We could do an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Uh, I'll do 10 questions. Okie dokie. Can't say I can answer all of them, but I'll do them. We're playing rapid fire with Sharon and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question one. What is one piece of advice someone, someone should have given you when you were younger? Don't trust the advice of everybody else. Question two. Favorite <laughs> color? Cornflower blue. Hmm. Question three. Would you rather a dream car, dream home, or who says you can't have it all? Let's have both. Let's have both. Question four. (laughs) You get three random acts of kindness per day that you are supposed to do. What are your three random acts for today? Telling somebody that they look beautiful, telling someone who's in love to keep it up, and smiling at a sweet baby. Question five, what is one struggle you had to overcome in your life that made you the woman you are today? Forgiving my mother. Question six, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who would it be? 
Gandhi. Question seven. If you could travel around the world and money was no option, where would you go? Oh my God. Um, it would have to be a world trip. I would probably start in India at the Taj Mahal and eventually get to um, Italy. And here in the States, I want to go to Antelope Valley. Mm. Question eight. With you um, helping parents be mindful of how they are parenting their, ch their children, what's one piece of advice you would give to a new parent? Embrace the sacred pause. Consider silence a phrase. Consider it part of your tool belt and your arsenal. Question nine. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Invisibility. <laughs> And question 10, here's the fun question. It's our pass or play question. If you pass, you throw the ball to me and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? Um, I want to pass. Okie dokie. What's your question? What's your biggest excitement about having a baby? I think right now just holding the baby and having that first skin to skin contact Aww. and uh, just enjoying the moment because so many other mothers they, um, that have been on the show said that's the one thing that they wish they would have been more intentional with because you never get that moment back unless you have another child and each child's different so that's really lovely that's really lovely yes <laughs> And thank you for playing rapid fire. You were, you were go, go, go. So I love that. <laughs> so it's really hot here and I'm just sitting here sweating because I have to close the windows. So I'm really hot. Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> so let's um, dive in to the work that you are doing now. And then we're going to really build up because the catalyst was the way that your mom parented you and you didn't want to be that same parent for your own child. So that was the fuel, I, I think, just by reading your bio, but correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. So Sharon, do you think um, just having your mother um, raise you in a certain manner and you just reflecting on how your mother raised you. And then with you being a mother yourself, you're like, I don't want to raise my child the way yeah. that my mother raised me because of how you felt. Do you think that was a catalyst to you jumping into the parenting style you chose? Oh, absolutely. Um, I use a saying that you don't want to pass the chain, the pain down the chain. And so we have a tendency and it's something that is really one of my goals to change right now is this acceptance of the way that we were parented and forgetting all of our trauma bonds as a result of our parenting and then replicating it with another generation, throwing our hands up and saying, I just don't know what else we can do. There's a lot that can be done. And so when I realized that um, due to a large event that happened in my life, um, what I realized was it was my job to search for the parenting tools that resonated for me and for my child and stop relying on what was unconscious and, and reactive. And so, yes, that was the catalyst for all of this. And when I began this years ago, there were no parent educators. There were, there was no parent education. 
there was only one person in the entire country that I knew that did this. Wow, that's incredible. And growing up, um, were you raised in a single parent household or a dual parent household? And if you were in a dual parent household, how was the parenting different between your mom and your dad, if your dad was part of the picture? Yeah, my dad was part of the picture, but um, I was raised in the early 60s. Um, so everything was changing in the world, as similar to now, you know, all of our fundamental beliefs about life were changing. And my father was very much involved in that. And he so he straddled the business world, and then wanting to go more toward the spiritual realm. So he was never home. And when he parented, he was... Um, is very distant. My mother, I believe, was either bipolar or depressed. Depressed, I'm sure. And so she was pretty much distant. So that kind of style left a huge void in my life of not knowing, well, what do you do? If you don't ignore and if you don't scream and you don't yell, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And that is really how I found what I needed. And thank you for sharing that because I think... Um... A lot of parents could resonate with that because they've hit a period of frustration, especially in the in the pandemic. We saw a lot of children have complaints of abuse or some form of neglect yeah. because the parents were forced to stay at home with their their children whenever yeah. they were forced to work remotely because the world was shut down. Their kids were home doing right. online classes. Yeah. Some of the parents didn't really know how to um, educate their their kids because you know the way they were taught math growing up is different than what the teachers are teaching now and etc. And then the teachers are trying to figure it out because they've never taught in online in an online space. So everyone was going through some form of dynamics that were changing yes. and the frustration was just so high. And I feel like sometimes those kids just needed an outlet, but they didn't have an outlet. And so did the parents. So how can we, because the pandemic, even though people think it's over, it's it's not over, it's still here, but it's just lessened. How can we encourage those parents to really be mindful of how they are um, interacting with their kids because their kids, you know, that can affect them and they can begin to hold those things into um, their adolescence and their adulthood. And one of my other guests has taught me about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, which can um, bottle up in a form of trauma based on if they hear, why are you doing this? Stop right. doing this. Right. And just bark, 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 bark. That right. kid begins to be mentally removed and checked out because all they hear is the way that you're projecting onto them. And it's right. not coming across in a loving manner. I think the one thing there's it is so multi-layered what happened in the pandemic and what's still happening. And the first thing I want to say is that I think um, what started happening was that we were a reflection was giving back to us about our true dynamic between parent and child and our trauma bonds and our frustration and our resentment about the life that we've been leading and the busy aspect of it hit us in the face to the point where we really had to review who we were and what our intention was. And then so did the children um, because what they were getting away with in school, how they were choosing to learn, how they were behaving. Now they had free reign. They were in a room with a computer and oh boy, all the breaks were off. Um, 
so I think that really what you're looking at is you're looking at what is it your goal? What is it you're bringing? The first thing, I, because it's a short interview, what I want parents to know is ask yourself the big question. What am I bringing to this moment? What part is my 50%? And what part is the child's 50%? Because assuming that it's all the child's fault is going to put you in that position where you are short, cryptic, angry, and resentful. But when you realize that you share in that moment, you have the opportunity to back up and be more global about this. You can walk in, put your hands on your child's shoulders to get his attention mindfully before you begin speaking. You can ask questions instead of, why aren't you doing this? You can ask, sweetie, what's making it hard for you to do that today? Yeah, you still have to do it, but what's making it hard for you today? So there were many things that, I'm hoping that as a result of the pandemic and their and parents need to find those skills that so they search people like me out so they realize there is more we can do and it will work for you. It's a win for both. It's not just for the parent uh, for the child. We need to remember our mindful authority. We need to remember our role as parents. We are the authority. Our children are looking for us to give them the boundaries. Now the question is, how do we do that? Do we replicate what was done to us? Because that went so well that we have the trauma bonds to show it. And, or do we change and still remain the authority, but mindfully? So that's the challenge. And I love that challenge because now I could really see how the proactive parenting is coming yeah. into place versus just being reactive and just yeah. being like the drill sergeant because kids don't react to drill sergeants and et cetera. And there has been some statistics that have shown when a kid feels like their parent is some form of of being a drill sergeant and -hmm. they're not feeling seen as well as heard, then they begin to act out in school. And that kid could be very bright, but they have a lot of behavioral problems because they're seeking attention because they're not getting the attention and love at home. Yeah. um, I like to break, I mean, my goal is I'm I'm a reader and so I'm a theoretical junkie. And I will consume anything about parenting and interpersonal relationships that's out there. But I don't want parents to have to do that. So my job has always been, and I've been doing this for 30 years. My job has always been to translate that information and bring it down to what I call kindergarten level. And when you do that and you look at a situation where parents being a drill sergeant and yelling at a child... What I see is different than what other people will see. I see the child immediately retracts inside themselves when the parent is yelling at them. And what they're doing is that they're trying to protect themselves from the intensity of your yelling. As a result, they go into fight or flight. And as a result, they cannot hear you. They cannot learn. And so that's where their needs are not being met. And that's where they make the misunderstanding based on immature reasoning that this is how it goes and I should do the same thing. So they act up and they begin screaming at you to get their attention needs met. Mm -hmm. So we have to unwind all of that. And that's my job to help parents unwind all of that till we get to a calm, mindful place and can really help. So I'm really about the basics. 
I look at a child and I say, okay, we have a foundation. You're pregnant. You're going to have a baby. And that baby is welcome to the world. Never seen it before. Everything is brand new. Every moment is brand new. Didn't know you looked that way when it was daylight. Didn't know you looked that way when it was dark. And that goes on and on and on. And we need to find that foundation and feed that foundation. When we feed that foundation with love and significance and boundaries, we create safety. And that safety living inside their foundation is something they draw on when they need it, when they have to risk doing something they don't want to do, like control themselves or listen to you. I love that. And I love how you talk about the 50-50 because it is a partnership. Like. Yeah. 50% is on the parent and then 50% is on the kids because the parents, you're telling the kid what to do, but then it's up to you to not just set those boundaries, yeah. but enforce the boundaries. And then the kid's part is to action it respectfully and yeah. realize that you are their parent, not their friend. Because sometimes I've seen from the outside looking in that there are so many parents oh, that yeah. are trying to be friends with their kids and the kid has no respect for their parent or no boundaries. Right. And you may see glimpses of this in the grocery store where the kid is talking back to the parent. The kid is just not listening. The kid is acting out and the parent feels so embarrassed and mortified. But what have you done at home to condition the kid to feel like that kid has leverage and power over you when right. you're the actual adult? Right. I mean, in that moment in the grocery store, one of my favorite laboratories, and I always tell people, look, if you see me in the grocery store, I really am shopping. I'm not watching you, honest, I swear. Um, so when you see those kids in the grocery store, you just really want to say, okay, what could be done here? Because your child has figured out that their emotional resistance has you over a barrel. So it might be something you're doing at home. It might be something that happened at school. You're their safe place and they're doing what I call emotional vomiting. And it just happens to be playing out in front of the crackers in the grocery store. The question is, are you going to respond to your child in that moment? Or are you going to say silently, embrace that silent, sacred moment and start walking toward the door, leaving your cart, talk to the manager, say, I'll be right back. Please watch that. Pick your child up, grab them by the hand, and go sit outside the store on a bench or the curb. Do not go home. This is one of the biggest mistakes I see. They go, okay, fine, we're just going to go home. The child goes, yes. So what you want to do is you want to go sit out there and then embrace your sacred pause. Wait about 10 seconds and then say, why are we here? What do you think I'm going to say right now? What do you think you need to do? Are you ready to go back in and try this again? And if he pulls it again, out you go again. And that is how you teach them mindfully. I didn't get upset. I wasn't yelling. I did what I call pulling it through the brain. I asked questions so I could link the logical mind and the emotional mind together so the child could actually respond. If I yelled, I've got an emotional mind, not a logical mind. So, you know, I'm filled with these tips because this is how you navigate daily life. You don't navigate daily life by going, what is that answer? I know it was on page 36. I can't find it fast enough. Will you just be quiet, please? I mean, listen, I love it and I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. You want reality. You want it in the moment. And that's what proactive parenting is. I love that. I was over here cracking up because... <laughs> 
no one said there was a playbook for parenting. You're learning as you go and you're figuring it out because even though you may be a first time parent, you're new to it. When you become a parent the second time, you've learned, okay, what worked with that child, but that doesn't mean like what worked yes. with that child is going to work with the next child. So then oh my God. You're, re- you're relearning it. And I've seen it with my nieces and nephews because yeah. they're very different, different personalities. They come from the same mom and dad, but right. they have a well, mind of their own. I tell parents all the time, remember way back when, before computers, when they had pegboards and little plastic things that you'd stick in a hole and you'd make a picture? Well, your family system is just like that. So you have mom and dad and you have the first child. They have their holes. They have their position in the family. When the second child comes, he can't be a replication of the first child. He has to be unique. He has to find his own way. So he plugs himself in in a different hole. That means your parenting style is all different. My kids are just so different and just so much the same. It's enough to make you nuts. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I can't even imagine those who have like more than two, because then it's like you're, you're, you're juggling. I have this incredible, um, podcast guest, um, similar to yourself, Sharon, and she had nine kids and she took, she just told me it gets easier after four. And she's like, I've had vaginal births. I've had cesareans and I've had home births. And she's like, what is it that you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like, you know, I'm an open book. What do you need to know? I mean, my favorite TV show as a child was the Waltons because they had so many children and it was so respectful. I mean, you know, strip away all the schmoozy hallmarky stuff, but the idea of family, that was not the family I grew up with. That was not what was modeled for me. Nobody was that kind. Nobody was that involved, but that was what I wanted. And I feel like I've been parenting since I was three years old. And that's a story for another time, but it's always been a pull on me. And so I have always longed for family. And the, the best gift that I can say is my children are full grown adults. One of them is married now. And I ask them on a regular basis until they finally asked me to stop. Tell me what I did wrong. Tell me how I can fix it. How did I screw up? Please tell me. And their report back to me, and they're genuine because I'm really pushing them, is mom, we had a great childhood. Look at the relationship that we have. And I think back and I go, okay, then I met my goal. I didn't do it perfectly. And yes, I did yell. And yes, I did punish until I found other ways. But I didn't pass the pain down the chain. And that is something I can be proud of. I love that. And let's talk about pass, um, not passing the pain down the chain. And you should definitely put that on a t-shirt. And, <laughs> and then at the back, uh, proactive parenting 101. Uh, you just <laughs> made my husband very happy. <laughs> <laughs> so not um, passing the pain down the chain. I could actually just visualize that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Really. Um, I see the chain link. I see like a pain and a little angry face. And then on the back, I see your, your logo, positive, uh, proactive parenting with, with a a spin of positivity. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And, uh, what are, what are five tips and these five tips I wanted to, I want you to think about them from a emotional standpoint, 
a physical standpoint and a spiritual standpoint. And the reason why I bring up spirituality is because some parents who have grown up in a very religious and spiritual household, they feel conditioned based on what they what they were told by their parents. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah. And they believe in the corporate pun- punishment set yes. where they believe in spanking. And then modern day, depending on what state you live in, it is illegal to spank your kid anywhere else outside of the bottom or the, the buttocks area. And then when you think about um, emo- emotional and mental parenting is how does your parent parenting style affect your kid? And are you paying attention to it from a holistic vantage point? So do you have five tips that we can share? Let me just see if I can get all that in five tips here. Um All right, let's start with the physical. The physical thing that I would love to say is that a child's brain is not fully developed until they're age 25. And so when you are shouting from another room and you look at your child and they're not responding and they're not doing what you say, you immediately categorize them as being a bad listener or a bad child. No, what's happening is that that moment is a moment where they are processing And depending on their age, they're processing your calling their name. Believe it or not, there's a developmental imperative for little people. I think it's about age two, I can't remember, two or three, where when you call their name, their response is not, oh, mommy called my name. Their response is, wow, someone has the same name I do. That's cool. And they don't react. So walk in, put your hands on them, wait a moment, and let their brain go from one center to the next so that they're processing, oh, mom wants to talk to me. So that would be physical. Emotional, I would say your needs are as important as your child's. And if you do not honor them, don't make it so that, you know, this is my time and I have to have it. But you know what, babe, I'm really tired right now and I don't have the energy for it. How can we do this so that I don't have to move? So by you honoring your needs emotionally and being calm about it, you're showing your child how to do the same thing. You are modeling. They're watching everything you do. And, you know, what you'll experience when you have your baby is that they've been watching your face since birth. They can't speak. So they know your face far better than you do. And I have had my children sit there and point at me across the way and say, I know that face. I know that look. And I'm like, yes, you do. Now shut up. No. Um, (laughs) So emotionally, you want to really trust that your child has that emotional feedback. And those red flags are things you want to pay attention to. Spiritually, your child is a human being in a pint-sized body. Please respect that. Please talk to them as such. Please do not diminish them. Please recognize that this person has a life to live and you're part of that contribution. And how you fill their foundation is what they're going to be pulling from for the rest of their lives. So look at your own trauma bonds. What would you have rather had happen? And give your child that. I love those. And thank you for giving those um, powerful tips. And it is a way that we can course correct and change the things that we wish Um, we could have had power and control 
of when we were a child. So now that you're a parent, don't make the same mistakes. Um, And also don't walk around with unforgiveness because maybe your parents didn't have someone to give them a good representation of what parenting should or shouldn't look like. And they were just trying to figure it out. So have grace and mercy for yourself and realize that it's not always going to be perfect. But as long as you're making progress over perfection, then you could always fine tune it later on. And I think everything is an opportunity. And so if you look and frame it that way for yourself, who's the opportunity for in this moment? Absolutely. And then whenever you realize that you screw things up and muck up, go to your child and apologize. Like when my dad was alive, I really appreciate it when my dad apologized to me whenever he realized that he did something that was wrong, but it took him some time to process. And by golly gee, I wish he were were here. It'll be two years since November since he passed from medical negligence. But I like, I like, I really, really think back and I said, you know, everything that my parents did for me, what my dad did and what my mom did, even though their parenting styles were different, I'm who I am because of them. And even though everything was not prim and prim and rosy, it made me the woman that I am today. And I could refine who I am along the way because life is a journey. Yes. So Sharon, I want to jump into the call to action part of the segment. What is your call to action for our audience today? Well, I have two actually. One is something that anybody can have right away. And our gift when you come to proactive parenting is a um, an opt-in gift because it's about choices. Because the bottom line is that when we give choices to children, a lot of parents don't realize that the child sees it as a yes or no. In other words, they grab the power. They're being given a choice and the parent isn't really quite sure how to frame the choice so it reflects the rules and boundaries. So it's one of those things where you give a choice and you go, pick A, pick A, don't pick B, don't pick B, okay? And so you've handed all your power over to a three-year-old. What I wanted to do was show you how to frame a choice that envelops your rules and boundaries and still empowers your child to give you listening and cooperation. So there's 30 examples. It's a great download and you can get that at proactiveparenting.net. And if you like these things, in about a week, we have a new seminar coming out and I'm, I'm looking over here so I can get it right. It's four secrets to getting kids to listen, act respectfully, act respectfully and do what you ask so you don't have to yell or argue. And that is filled with all kinds of things like I talked about today. And that'll be ready in about a week. Amazing, Sharon. And what I will do is link your website and all of the information is on your website, which is proactiveparenting.net. Once again, audience, correct? Yes. And then are all your social media channels backlinked on your website as well? They will be. (laughs) So Um, they're up there. They're definitely up there. We have just done a complete rebranding. So every time I talk to someone, they ask me a question. I'm like, "Uh, give me five minutes. (laughs) So question, where do you hang out primarily on social media? Uh, Facebook, I have to say, and mm, yeah, let's just not go there. 
Amazing. And Sharon, thank you so much for coming into the community and sharing your knowledge around um, proactive parenting and doing it with a positive spin and just really enjoying it too. Audience, this recording is on 40 plus platforms. So there is a spot for everyone to listen. You could also see the video on our YouTube channel by going to GEMS, G-E-M-S with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, we want to thank you for supporting the guests that we bring into the community, as well as the mission, which is to bring content that is educational, inspirational, and motivational, while we also bridge the gap for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it does take all of us coming together yes. to really engage in transparent conversations and make this world a better place. We are ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts. And I thank each one of you for supporting on a consistent basis. And that brings me to a big ask and ask and you shall receive, right? So we are looking for brand sponsors. Spaces are limited, but if you want to have your brand, your products and services heard right here where we're ranked globally in the top 2%, please send me an email to Kemp at gmail.com or check out the website genesisamariskemp.net to find out more info. Just click on that podcast tab. Until the next segment, next guest, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. And remember to give yourself grace and mercy. You can proactively parent without yelling. And no one said parenting was going to be easy. So just give yourself time. And when you feel frustrated, call on Sharon Silver because she can help you. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor So please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.